You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 357, Arguments Against the Resurrection. So as I'm recording this, we're just a little less than two weeks out from Easter 2022. And in my mind, Easter is the most important day in human history because it was the day that God raised Jesus from the dead. And there's so many uh, theological implications there that, uh, I mean, it's just such a, a powerful day. It's such an important day. Listen to what Paul said. This is from 1 Corinthians 15. He said, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. In other words, if there's no resurrection, there's no salvation. If there's no resurrection, there's no hope for eternal life. So that's why I really believe the resurrection is the most important day because it put an exclamation point on everything that Jesus taught. It put an exclamation point on everything that Jesus said. It put an exclamation point on everything that we see in the Bible. But Let's be honest, there are many people, and this is not new, this has been going on for years and for centuries, that have taught against the resurrection of of Jesus from the dead. And there's been several arguments that have been presented, and I'm going to talk about those arguments. And these arguments sound good on face value, but it's important that we look at them, that we understand them, and we look at the evidence against them. And then next week, we'll actually look at the evidence for the resurrection. Today, we're going to deal with the arguments against the resurrection. And then next week, we'll look at the evidence for the resurrection. And obviously, there'll be some overlap. But the first argument against the resurrection is this. It's that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. Matthew's gospel records this argument. And Matthew says this, While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. And I'd encourage you to read the whole context. This is from Matthew 28. The women had gotten to the tomb. They had seen an angel who had told them that Jesus was alive. Um, They had seen the empty tomb. They had had an encounter with Jesus. And it says, While the women were on their way back to Jerusalem, some of the guards were went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. And when the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. 
So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely spread uh, among the Jews to this very day. That's Matthew 28, 11 to 15. So, so the idea here is, the, this argument against Jesus being raised from the dead, is that his disciples snuck in in the middle of the night under the noses of these professional soldiers, the Roman soldiers, and were somehow able to force the tomb open, move this heavy, heavy stone, steal the body of Jesus, and then announce that Jesus was risen. Because the body was missing, they could say, Jesus is alive. And that was the argument. The disciples stole the body and announced to the world that he was alive. And you know, why, why, why would we even doubt this argument? I mean, it sounds great at face value, but it really does take a lot for granted. First of all, the disciples, is, as they were seen in the Gospels, do not sound like the men who would want to challenge Roman soldiers. In fact, when Jesus was arrested, they all fled. Now, to be sure, Peter pulled his sword out and slashed off the high priest's servant's ear, which Jesus promptly healed, but uh, there was no real organized resistance. The disciples fled and were in hiding because they were afraid that they were going to be arrested too. Um, and then Peter, when he was confronted with this, when he was confronted, he said, uh, slave girl said, hey, you're one, of, you're one of them. You were with Jesus, and he denied it. And um, You know, that's a very famous part of the gospel. The disciples don't seem to be the kind of guys who would take a chance on confronting the heavily armed, battle-hardened Roman soldiers. Um, but even, even if they waited till the, the soldiers had fallen asleep, they would still have to approach steadily and then open the tomb. And yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's, it, it's, it's a tough story to buy. The logistics alone make it very, very difficult to believe. But you know, there's other reasons why this argument is weak. Um, not just the fact that the disciples would probably not have been the guys to um, take a chance on dealing with the Roman soldiers. First of all, the disciples never gave the inv in indication that they believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. I mean, Jesus predicted his death and resurrection over and over again in the Gospels, but there's no indication that the disciples ever really believed him. And it's much more likely that they saw Jesus' death as the end of their hopes and dreams and that Jesus, that Jesus was the Jew Jewish Messiah. Um, with Jesus being dead... Uh, they understood that a crucified Messiah was a failed Messiah. Um, sometimes we look at, at, the, at the biblical narratives and we look back on the fact that the disciples were, were, were preaching and teaching that Jesus was risen from the dead. And we say, oh, those simple people, they just didn't understand. Oh, no, they understood. A dead Messiah equaled no Messiah. Uh, if Jesus was dead, then, then really there was nothing left for them to do, but to go back to their former jobs and to try and resume their lives. So, so this is a very interesting thing uh, to discuss. Um, a second reason why 
the disciples stealing Jesus' body out of the tomb is really a weak argument and probably uh, not a very good one is the fact that most of those disciples died very violent deaths for following Jesus. They died violent deaths for their belief in the resurrection. With the possible exception of John, the Apostle John, as far as we know, all of Jesus' closest followers died martyrs' deaths. Peter, for example, was crucified upside down. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, tradition tells us that he was taken to the top of the temple and thrown off. Um, so very just terrible deaths that they were put, put to death for their faith in Jesus. So that raises the question. This is where this argument that the disciples stole Jesus' body, this is where this falls apart because if the disciples had stolen Jesus' body and announced that he had been raised from the dead, when the Roman authorities threatened to put them to death, it's very unlikely that they would have held to that argument. You know, people are very seldom going to die for a lie. People are very seldom going to die for a falsehood. But what they will die for is the truth. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what we have going on here because creating a false story about Jesus being raised from the dead might have increased the number of Christians for a little while. And this truly would be the greatest hoax in history if it would have held up. But once the, the, the threat of crucifixion or the threat of beheading or the threat of being thrown into the Colosseum to fight the lions or the gladiators came up, the, the argument, the lie, would be exposed very quickly. So it would have been very easy for the disciples to say, no, 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 guys, listen, just kidding. We stole his body. Uh, this never happened. Please don't feed me to the lions. And again, it comes down to people are willing to die for the truth, but they're probably not going to be willing to die for a hoax. Well, don't go away. I'll be right back. We've still got um, other arguments to talk about for Jesus, uh, talking about the, the arguments against Jesus being raised from the dead. But I wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Reflections on the Resurrection. Reflections on the Resurrection. In fact, some of this material is taken from the book, and I would really encourage you to check it out. Reflections on the Resurrection is apologetic, which is kind of what this podcast is. We're, we're dealing with the arguments about the resurrection. It's devotional. It's also educational. We really want to, to help you understand why the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the most central event, excuse me, the most important event in human history. So check out Reflections on the Resurrection. I know you'll love it, and I know it will help you. I'm also going to include a resource link to Cold Case Christianity by J. Werner Wallace, and this is another excellent resource to help you in understanding why we believe what we believe. Uh, 
Wallace was a uh, Los Angeles Police Department detective. He was a homicide investigator and eventually began uh, investigating cold cases. And these are cases that had not been solved, that were years and years old. And at the time that uh, he began uh, doing this, he was also an atheist. And a, a friend of his, a Christian at work, challenged him to investigate the evidence of Christianity. He said, you say you're an atheist. You say there's no evidence for Christianity. Well, he said, I challenge you to, to dig into Christianity using the same tools in which you're investigating these cold cases, cases in which many of the witnesses are dead. Um, there may not be a lot of physical evidence left, but what do you have? And in many of these cold cases, Warner Wallace had been able to put together a, a, a case that actually make arrests. So um, by using this these methods, he was able to um, determine really that the evidence, and in, in, in his mind, in his heart, the evidence of Christianity was actually real. So fantastic book, well-written, um, really put together, put together well. And I just encourage you to take a look at it. You know, you click on that link on Amazon. You can read a little bit for free and see if you might like it. So we talked about the idea of the disciples stealing the body of Jesus. The, the second argument that many people use um, as evidence against the resurrection is that Jesus did not really die on the cross. Jesus did not really die on the cross. The idea, this is actually called the swoon theory. It's been around for maybe 100, 150 years. And, and this argument is really says this. It says that Jesus didn't really die during the crucifixion. He just passed out. I mean, he'd had a bad day. I mean, he'd been crucified and beaten and nailed to the cross. And he passed out. And the people who took him off the cross just were mistaken. They thought he was dead. They put him in the tomb. And later on, in that cool tomb, he revived and was feeling all better. And somehow Jesus was able to move this heavy stone aside and free himself from the grave clothes and then let himself out of that tomb and rejoin his followers. And when they saw him, they just naturally assumed that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And uh, this is just, to me, just a fascinating story, this, this idea that, that Jesus did not. In fact, I think it actually takes more evidence to believe the swoon theory. Uh, I think it takes more faith to believe the swoon theory than it actually does to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Here's why I say that. First of all, the Romans were really, really good at killing people. I mean, they were experts at killing people. The squad of soldiers who were given the job of executing Jesus and the, the two men with him I mean, this was their job. This is what they did day in, day out. I mean, it's kind of a rough job, but that was what they did was they executed people. They were an execution squad. And these were prob this probably wasn't their first day on the job. They had probably killed many other criminals before. And it's very unlikely that they would not have noticed that Jesus was still alive. And if you remember, towards the end of the day, uh, the chief priest asked that Pilate would speed things up. So the, the soldiers actually broke the legs of the two other men who were being crucified with Jesus so that they would asphyxiate a little bit quicker, that they would die quicker. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. So instead of breaking his legs, they, they took a sword and, and, and pierced his side. And, 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 and the idea is that they pierced his heart and, and to make sure that he was dead. 
Um, so, so the Romans were really good at this. The second reason why this is just kind of a, almost a silly theory is that the, the, the incredible amount of punishment, the physical punishment that Jesus endured. Now, theologically, we can talk about the fact that Jesus was essentially bearing the sins of the world. He was separated from his Father for a short time spiritually. Uh, we can talk about the stress of dealing with that, the sinless Son of God uh, bearing the sins of the world. But let's just talk about it on a physical level. Um, the, the, the amount of punishment that he took. First of all, he was scourged. It wasn't uncommon for people to die even during the scourging. It was potentially a fatal punishment in itself. The brutal uh, beating that, that was administered before the crucifixion was given to weaken the, the, the victim and to hasten their death. Um, Jesus was probably physically in a state of shock by the time he got to the point of actually being crucified because of the blood loss and the pain and the, 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 the amount of, of, of abuse that his body had taken. And if you ever saw the movie The Passion of the Christ, the scourging was depicted so well that uh, it's very difficult to watch. Um, the, the flesh of most of the victims were ripped open and torn away. The muscles and ligaments were ripped and torn by this, by this whip that had hooks and bone and rock and, and, and even pieces of lead embedded in it. Um, the person, the victim, would have experienced blood loss and, and, as we said, would have gone into shock because of the blood loss and the, the, the pain. The crucifixion itself was designed to kill the prisoner slowly as a punishment and as a warning to others. The nails through the wrist and the feet would have done a tremendous amount of damage to the bones and, and the tendons. And as the person hung from the cross, nailed to the cross, the, the, the weight pulling onto those bones of, of the wrist and the feet would have been damaged even, even more. And so the idea of Jesus walking out of the tomb after having been nailed to the cross is, is just silly. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense whatsoever. And, and not only was Jesus scourged and crucified, but as we said, he was also stabbed in the side by a Roman soldier. Uh, according to John's eyewitness account, Jesus was already dead at the time he was stabbed. And John says this, The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man, who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they didn't break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it uh, has given testimony, and this testimony is true. He knows that what he tells, that he tells the truth, and he testifies that you may believe. The presence of blood and water here shows that Jesus had already died of asphyxiation. This was the most common cause of death during crucifixion. The victim would struggle to believe, struggle to breathe until their, their lungs would eventually collapse. And if, if by some miracle Jesus was still alive by the time he was stabbed, this would have truly been a fatal, fatal wound. Again, the Romans were good at this. That, this is what they did. They were professionals. And, and, and another reason, and this is one we don't often think about, another reason that the, the swoon theory doesn't really hold up, this idea that Jesus really didn't die on the cross, is he had two, two men who loved him, who cared for him. Joseph of Arimathea and, and Nicodemus 
um, took the body down off the cross. And, you know, if ever two men would have checked to see if anyone was still alive, it would have been these two men. But they took him down. There was no pulse, shallow breathing, etc. And then Jesus was covered as according to Jewish custom, with 75 pounds of spices and wrapped in a burial sheet. This would, if somehow he'd have still been alive, he would have probably smothered to death in this setting. (coughs) Excuse me. A last reason, a last reason why the swoon theory is such a weak argument is that somehow we're supposed to believe that that in spite of all Jesus has been through, he's going to wake up, free himself from the grave clothes, roll the heavy stone away, and get away from the Roman guards. As we've already seen, this just isn't happening. It's just not feasible, and it just doesn't make sense. It really takes more faith to believe in this than it does that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Now, there's, there's a couple of other arguments of evidence against uh, Jesus being raised from the dead, and, and I talk about them in, in my book, Reflections on the Resurrection, as I mentioned. But these are the two most prominent, and I encourage you to, um, if you're interested, check the book out, keep digging. It's definitely worth looking at. But like I say, these are the two most prevalent, and, and even these two, once you you just line up the evidence of, of, of what we have from the Gospels, you know, these two arguments pretty much fall apart. But understand, when you talk to people about the resurrection, there's always going to be some argument. But as we started off, we started off with, with, with this verse. Paul says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and you're faith is useless. Well, friends, I'm going to stop there. Now, we'll come back next week and we'll talk about um, evidence for the resurrection. We'll look at what the the evidence is. Of course, course we got the Gospels, but even beyond the Gospels, what do we have that lets us really know that Jesus has really, truly been raised from the dead and that our faith is not in vain? Well, I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. Leave a question or a comment in the comments section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and I'll see you next week on Leading and Learning. <music>